All right. Well, I am very excited to teach you this message. I've had a lot of responses about this because people are really questioning, what does this mean? This itchy ear, itchy ear, what is this? So I'm actually looking forward to this quite a bit. Um, I'm probably going to offend a lot of you. It's probably what's going to happen. So we're going to see. We're going to see if you guys are offended if you walk away. So we'll see what happens. Um, if you guys know anything about me or you know anything about who I am, you know that I've taught youth ministry about 14 years now. Youth ministry is probably my greatest joy and my toughest struggle all wrapped into one. It's, a, it's an interesting ministry. In youth ministry, you see this amazing opportunity that you can come and you can talk to these kids and you can learn more about them. And you see young people growing God in a real way. It's pretty amazing. You see some that walk away, which breaks your heart. You know, I have had some who've gone on in ministry to do some great things that were in my youth group. Obviously, we have people all throughout our church that actually grew up in my youth ministry and are here and are serving the church. And, and like, I will tell you as a proud mom, I still look at them and I think, oh, my little babies. And now they're having babies, which is really, really hard on me some days. But I'm really happy. I've seen some that grow on and, and really served in missions and have done great things for God there. But the other thing that's happened in youth ministry is you've seen people walk away, and I've seen some that were there, and some that walked away, and some that have already gone on to the next place. And unfortunately, a lot of them that didn't really make a decision for Christ. And that breaks my heart. They don't have that assurance. I've had these conversations with young people trying to encourage them to make these good choices over the bad choices. And, you know, trying to get them to to accomplish great things for God. But I've also had some really tough conversations where I had to tell people, like, you're doing wrong. This is a wrong situation. Don't do that. This is bad for you. Don't go there. And I've actually had some experiences, too, doing youth ministry where I've had to tell some people that came to go. Because they were actually more of a distraction. They were more of a help. And there were people there that wanted to hear about God, and they were causing more problems. And I had to tell them to leave and not come back. Youth ministry is much more than babysitting teenagers, I'd like to tell you. If you think that's what a youth pastor does, you're sadly mistaken because there's much more to it than that. It's much tougher. It's actually not for the faint-hearted. It really isn't. When you've done it for 14 years, you've seen some amazing high highs and these really low lows, and it really is life or death. And people a lot of times don't realize what youth ministry is and what it prepares them for. And a lot of times they don't understand, a lot of adults don't understand the fact that you have this opportunity to speak into a young person's mind before too many other things get in there and start rattling around and they start to put their hands up and say no. So you have a really great opportunity. There are times after I walk out of X students still today where I look and think, wow, I think I broke through in some real way tonight. And there are other times where I walk out and I think, what was that? (laughs) And I think, God, don't make me go back there. (laughs) Don't make me go back there. But, you know, a lot of times I'll drive home or I'll lay in bed and I'll think over all the conversations and kind of replay them in my head. And I think, did anybody move any closer to Jesus tonight? Did I see anything? Was there any little bit thing that I could have noticed took place? Some weeks there are. Some weeks there isn't. There really isn't. And you kind of go through and you think, what good was that? You know, did it make a difference? You begin to wonder, 
do these two hours that you have them, how do they compare to the 166 that they have during the week? Can they make a difference? Can two hours that you spend with them actually make a difference at all? Well, last week, I had this experience where I was teaching the, the kids. It was right before we started, actually. And I had some bunch of kids, a bunch of boys run up to the door before we started. And they said, hey, we need you guys to come with us right now to the three of the boys that were there. And so we want you to go fight this person. And one of them got up and he left. The other two said, no, we're going to stay. And I can tell you after teaching them a whole month of what choices will make the difference in their life, that they'll either make them or break them, I can tell you I was sitting there just elated. And I had to just show the poker face, like, I'm not really that excited that you guys chose, chose to stay here. But inside I was like, how awesome is it? They're staying. This is great. I had to hide my elation because, you know what, youth ministry is a lot of times those small victories. But youth, youth ministry and real ministry, big church, small church, kids' church, however you call it, a lot of times we just look for those small victories. We just look for these little things. There's so many times when we come home at night after having a Saturday night service or a Sunday morning service, and we all sit there and talk about the little things and the conversations we had. And I can tell you as a pastor what we do is we sit there and think, Man, those little wins, you just love to see them because you think those little wins are going to make a difference to be the big win someday. But they keep you going. In youth ministry that night, I can tell you, I, I felt like I did my job. I felt like, yeah, I did my job. And even though it's tough, you know what? It's that old saying, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. I'm there to do it. There's times where I think, is this really what I want to do? And I think, yeah, this is what I want to do. I had an experience a couple weeks ago where I really wondered. I was like, God, do you really want me to continue this? You know, obviously, I'm 51 years old. I'm like, how do you relate to a teenager? And I can tell you it's just a God-given thing. I love teenagers, and somehow, in some crazy way, they love my craziness. So it works out. I, last week when I said one girl said she thought she was going to get jumped, she goes, oh, she's going to get jumped. I said, listen here. I'm going to tell you something. I'll put up with a lot of crap, but I won't put up with none of that. And the one girl's like, Deb's kind of (laughs) scary. And I'm like, there we go. Good. I want you to be a little afraid. It's a good thing. Well, as most of you know, I co-pastor here, and I'm also the youth pastor, and that goes from sixth grade to sophomore. So there's a lot of the times where you have to, like, really hope that you can reach them in this sixth grade to sophomore year window because then you have to try harder here. And once you guys get here, a lot of times you have a lot of preconceived notions and ideas of what you believe, and they're harder to break through. This is why kids' ministry and youth ministry is so, so important. It is so important. And a lot of times you think, you know, what good does it do? Are they just there playing games, or what are they doing back there? I'm going to tell you, all this is going through their ears, and it just builds up stronger and stronger into them, where hopefully as an adult they'll make a choice. Even if sometimes they walk away, that they'll come back. That's what it's all about. A lot of times what I do here and what I do on Tuesday nights is you just really try to move people from one place to the other. That's what you do. Some are more willing to move than others. Some don't want to move at all. But you know what? You just hope that you're doing something and doing something good. Some walk in, and man, in church here, you'll see some people walk in, and they're tired of doing life and the way that they're doing it over and over again, and they're willing to to move, to make a change. But yet there's some people that walk in 
and life is collapsing all amongst them, and they still don't really want to change. They still want to just keep doing life the way they know it. So you might be figure, trying to figure out in your mind, like, what does all this have to do with itchy ears? I'm still trying to make the connection. doesn't make sense to me. Well, I'm here to tell you what it's all about. The phrase actually comes from Paul's letter that he actually wrote to Timothy, who was his young protege that was going to go into ministry behind him. Paul was near and towards his death. It was 67 years after uh, Jesus had died, and he was trying to really build up Timothy to say, you know what, continue on, do this job, because it's valuable and it's worthy. It's necessary. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, it says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God, be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So that's actually what I'm teaching you on today. Basically what Paul was telling was that there's going to be a come a time that people aren't going to want to listen to God's truth. What they're going to do is they're going to look for the new thing. Always the new thing. What's coming up the block? What's coming down the path? They're going to look for people who are going to support their own opinions that they've already developed. This is why youth ministry and kids ministry is so important because when you see that they've already had these opinions inside their heart, they're going to be easier to hold on to. So a lot of people are going to want something new, though. They're going to be open to all these things. And the Bible says that we have to be aware for that. They're going to look for people. A lot of times the people with itching ears are going to look for people who won't challenge them. They're going to want to just sit back and just keep stroking me, telling me I'm good, I'm all right. You're going to keep telling me what I want to hear. That's what it's all about. They're going to look for people who won't convict them in a message. They're going to want to be told that you're doing great. Just keep serving God and keep doing on. You're doing great. They don't really want to have a person that's going to sit there and say, you know what, you're sinning and you need to change. Because we know that was the message, that the whole message of Christ. That's why John the Baptist came first. He said, repent, for your king is near. Turn away from your sins and come close to God. We see that Jesus, over and over again, what did he do when he offered something great to the person? He offered forgiveness, but then he'd say, go and sin no more. That's what the whole point was. See, people a lot of times don't want to hear that. They want to hear that God's there for them, but they don't want to think that there's something really demanded from them also. So this is what's going to take place. So if you have itchy ears, you're going to look for people to constantly agree with you, not convict you, not to challenge you. You're going to want to sit back and you're going to want to just enjoy the experience. You know, you're going to want to be entertained. Entertain me, make me feel good. And that's not what the whole word of God's supposed to do for us. The word of God is supposed to challenge us. It actually is supposed to cut us. It reveals something inside of us. It actually does something when you read it, when you look at it. And this is why we always tell you to read God's word for yourself because there's something that that Bible can do by far than what we can tell you. Because it's living, it's, it's, it's breathing, it does something to us. You're going to get more from that than anything else by reading that because it's going to change you. But a lot of these people with itch ears, what they're going to do is they're going to look for pastors who will tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. What good is that? If that's the case, you might as well stay home and just watch TV. 
because you're not going to get what you really need. The Greek word that Paul used in the translation was itching, which means to rub, scratch, or tickle. Feels good to scratch an itch, doesn't it? You ever have an itch and you just like want to itch? Look at a dog. A dog's got an itch and man, they just go to it. They're just like, get it. You know, they're just going crazy. That's what they do. Feels really good. So Paul was telling Timmy that there's going to be a lot of people who are just going to want you to make them feel good. And if you don't, what's going to happen is they're going to go somewhere else where they will. That's what they're going to want. But that's not what a pastor's job is. That's not what a true friend does. That's not what people who truly love you will do. What they're going to do is they're going to want messages and leaders that make them feel all warm and fuzzy inside instead of hearing something that's going to cause them to feel like that maybe they should change. That's what it's about. There's a lot of people that actually sit in churches everywhere that think that they've already arrived spiritually and they have it all figured out already. What these people have done a long time ago is they quit learning. And I can tell you that the more I learn, the less I know when it comes to the spiritual side of God. And there's so many more things that he wants to teach us. And there's things that he reveals to us when we're ready. And then he, oh, you open up another part of the Bible and you're like, I never saw that before. And he's like, yes, because I'm kind. <laughs> and I don't show you how screwed up you are at the very beginning. I show you just a little bit at a time, a little bit, so you can work on this and then work on that. And that's what it's about. So if you think that you've arrived spiritually or you quit learning, you're just what God talks about in the Bible when he says you're just little spiritual babies. Still need to drink milk from the bottle. Pampered. Need to be changed. So what happens is they they are happy where they are. What they know up to this point, they're satisfied. That's all they want to know. Well, human nature shows us that what happens in our lives is we like to collect people around us that agree with us, don't we? We really, I mean, all you have to do is go on Facebook and see that. I mean, you can have someone that you know is doing some stupid, stupid stuff, and you'll have people all over the place like, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're totally right, that's what you should do. And you're like, really, people? Seriously? We like to collect people that agree with us. I mean, even if someone's totally wrong, they'll agree with you. I mean, there's some family members and some friends you can sit there and say, man, the sky is polka dot. And they'll be like, it is. If you see it that way, it is. It's like, that's what it is. I mean, they're just crazy. And it's flattery. You know, like I told, I've been telling these, I've been telling my youth, you guys all know. How many times have I told you this? Flattery is a wrong word. Our society has totally misconstrued what flattery means. We take flattery as a good thing. Oh, I'm flattered when someone tells you something. Flattery, by definition, means insincere praise. So when someone's flattering you, they're actually telling you something that's a lie. So we need to understand that. So when these people are telling you something, great, if it's, it's insincere, if it's flattery. So that just drives me crazy, I will tell you. I, every person that's ever gone through my youth group hears that because it drives me crazy. People are like, oh, I'm so flattered. It's like what you're doing is you just told them that they were telling you something that wasn't true. So you don't even know what you're talking about. So the Bible actually says that we should desire just the opposite We should want people to be sincere with us. We should want people that are going to tell us the truth. Right? Sadly, most people can't handle the truth. So they don't. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. We know how that worked out for Jesus, right? Judas kissed him, and he went to his death. 
Wouldn't you rather have a, a friend wound you and tell you where you're going wrong from time to time? Much better. A true friend, which is hopefully who you surround yourselves with, and hopefully who you know that Cameron and I are, we're going to tell you what's best for you. Now, there's probably some of you that's like, best for me? Who are you going to tell me you're bowing up? I was like, don't be telling me. It's like, that's why you're here, because you need to hear this message, because you have itchy ears, and you want to only be told what you're doing great, and you want me to pet you, is what you want me to do. I'm not going to pet you. That's all there is to it. But a true pastor is going to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. Because you know what? We know that it's going to help you in the long run. That's what it's all about. We all know when we have kids, what do we tell them? This is for your own good. So this is for your own good. So just so you know. But you know what? A lot of people stand, sit down in churches, and what they do is they, they really want to be told what they want to hear. A lot of times they think, you know what? I want to sing the songs that I want. You know, that's what I want. When we don't sing the song you want, you're like, I really don't know. I think maybe I need to go to another church. It's like, really? Is this all about you? I think it was about him, wasn't it? I think so. But, you know, the thing is, it's, it's about getting told the truth because we know in the long run it's going to help us. A lot of times people do sit in churches. They just want to have their ears itched. That's all they're here for. They'd rather walk out of a church and feel good about themselves instead of feeling good about a God that cares to point out your flaws and points out the fact that you have a poopy diaper. You need to get changed. That's what you're all about. You have poopy. You're poopy. But many of us like to think that we've all already spiritually arrived. And I can tell you, some of you have not arrived. And that's not to be mean, but it's just the truth. Sometimes we think we're farther along than we are, and we think we can handle much more than we're given, and you're not able to yet. The Bible says a lot of people, what, what happens is they, they take in some things and they start to get puffed up that they know already you can't tell them anything. But we all know there's a lot of people that walk around and what it, the, the phrase is they're a mile wide but only an inch deep when it comes to their faith. Years ago, our pastor used to say, it doesn't matter how high you jump, just come down and land straight, you know. But a lot of times what happens is we think we, we know more than what we do. You know, there's definitely much more that God wants to teach us. We can't stall. We can't stop. We have to keep going. The problem is there's much more holiness for all of us that God expects out of us. We like to think that God doesn't demand very much from us. He does. He demands repentance. He demands change. We have a God that's justice as much as he is grace and loving. God demands more holiness from us. But there's also more grace than a lot of us like to give to each other. You know, a lot of times what happens is in, we have people in churches that like to sit there and, and hear about everyone else's problems. And they don't like to think that God's grace would cover them also. They also want that to be for their itchy ears. An itchy ear person isn't just someone who sits there and wants to have, uh, you know, something that's new coming down the pike. They also want a pastor who's going to wink at who they are and tell them they're okay, but then tell about everybody else's problems. And say, you're okay, but these other people over here, what they're doing is they're doing this, and this is wrong. And you know what that does? It just makes you walk out, patting yourself on the back, and think, yeah, not like one of them. And the Bible says there's a part where in the Bible where it says where the, the, 
Pharisee sitting there saying, but at least I'm not like them people, God. You know, it's like, that's wrong. A lot of people want a message that makes us feel better than the next guy. As long as it convicts the next guy, then I'm all right. We like that pastor tell us we're okay. So you hear a whole lot of amens, don't you, when someone else's sins are mentioned? A lot of times when you start talking about one that maybe you're dealing with, you don't really amen so loud. You just like to be by the next guy. There we go. There we go. I was waiting for that. About time. <laughs> so a true pastor is going to cause you actually to look in the mirror. And what they're going to do is a true pastor is going to let you see your failures and your flaws. Because we have not arrived. We're still just forgiven sinners is all we are. Michael Jackson knew it from the start, guys. I'm starting with the man in the mirror, right? Okay, that's what we're supposed to do. What good is it to see everyone else's sins? We can't change them. Only God can. We have to look and see ourselves so that God can change us and we can start to change. It doesn't do no good to see other people's sins. An itchier person wants to hear that there's an easier way. Somehow you get to pass go and you get to go somewhere quicker and faster than someone else. It's just time. It's 23 years of of following God, and I can tell you it's a day-by-day, sometimes hour-by-hour adventure to work on your faith. It's not like you all of a sudden just know everything. It doesn't happen that way. An itchy-ear person wants to think that they're good enough just the way that they are. And they want people to jump ahead and get caught up. And they don't have much grace for someone else, nor patience for other people. An itchier person wants to think that God is much too loving of a God to ever judge anyone. Read the Bible. God's pretty judgment sometimes. We don't like that part. That's why there's people all over the the world that will sit there and talk about, like, our God is a mean God. It's like, no, our God is a justice and judgment and kind God. But we don't like to see that. We like to think that there's a different way. I can tell you there is no other way. There is no other way. You're not going to hear that message here. You're never going to hear in X church, if there's anything I have to say about it or Cameron has to say about it, no other way to reach heaven except through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. The Bible tells us that is the only way. Now, that sounds very, very narrow-minded to the world. But that was God's truth. That's what God says. There is no easier way. It's only Jesus. You, despite what everybody is told in the world, you aren't good enough. You're not good enough. You weren't born good enough. You need a Savior. You need someone to save you. That's the only way you're going to reach heaven is if you receive Christ. And he dies in your place. That's what it's about. God is going to show his justice from the beginning like he did to the end. There's things that are going to happen that you're never going to understand. But that's God. It's not up to us to question every single thing he does. If we trust him, we're going to try to follow him. And that's tough to hear, isn't it? It's tough. People are like, I don't want to hear about this mean God that lets these things happen. It's tough. Well, you know, we all think that from time to time, but, you know, we're not the first one to think it. We're not the first one to think that whole point. 
John 43 through 61 says, But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I who was sent from God have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that, bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware what his, that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? It makes you wonder how many times Jesus says to us, does this offend you? The Bible actually talks about how we're not supposed to be so easily offended. Our world is so easily offended. You can't say anything. You can't look at someone. You can't post anything. You can't do nothing because everyone walks around being offended. I can tell you right now, if you're here, we're going to speak God's truth. It's going to be the Bible, and you're probably going to be offended. There's probably going to be something that you're not going to like. It's going to rub you wrong. It's going to be something that kind of makes you bristle a little bit. And you're like, I don't like that. And I can tell you that's probably where God wants to talk to you. It's probably where God's trying to point something out to you about. That's what it's about. That's when, you know what, and you, you, I'm going to tell you another thing, too, that I've learned in the 23 years. The day that you don't want to be here, that's the day you should be here. Because that's when God wanted to really point something out to you to make you grow. That's something that I've learned. I was like, the day I was like, man, I wasn't going to come today. I was like, God had this amazing revelation for me to show me. And I was like, wow, I'm so glad I didn't miss it, you know. But you're going to be offended when you, you read God's word from time to time. You're going to be offended sometime when you come here. We are going to offend you. It's a matter of time. We're not going to stroke your ego. I'm not going to tell you that you're okay. Because you're not okay unless you're okay with Jesus. That's the whole point. There are times, you know, when you deal with somebody and kid gloves are necessary, and you treat them nice and you pet them and you take care of them. But there are times, you know what, when you say, quit, stop. You're doing this wrong. And a good swift kick is in order. That's what it's about. We all know our kids. We try to reinforce these good things to them. We tell them, we love you, honey. But you know what? When your kid goes to try to touch, touch a stove, you sit there. And sometimes if they're ready to put it, you grab them and you grab them hard, don't you? No, don't do that. Because we know it's what's best for them. Don't put your hand on the stove. You're going to get burnt. There's so many things in ministry that it's not necessarily fun to tell you guys. 
but it's for your own good. You're going to burn your hand if you do this. Don't do it. Goes on in that scripture and it says our job is to encourage, correct, and rebuke. Now, encouragement is nice. Everyone loves encouragement, don't we? It's like, oh, put your arm around me and tell me it's going to be okay. That's what it's all about. Correction's not as much fun. Rebuke, definitely not fun. But it's a pastor's job to do all three. It's our job. It's our job from time to time when we see something to say, you know, not good. It's not good. It's not a good thing to do that. You know, the reason why it's our job to do that is because the Bible actually says it's our responsibility, and if we don't do it, we're at fault. So that's why a lot of times people don't understand that when pastors are, like, so passionate to try to tell you, or, or we see you going the wrong way, and we're like, no, do we want to tell you what's right? The reason why is because of this scripture. Ezekiel 33, 6 says, But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I'm going to hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. That's why you're never going to hear anything different but the truth here. We're never going to tell you there's another way to reach Christ or heaven without Christ. It's never going to happen. We're responsible for that. We're also going to try to tell you, it's like, man, don't go that way. You're going to walk farther away from God, not closer to him. If you go that way, you're just going to go farther, farther away. It's our job to tell you. There's going to be times, like I say, when a person needs encouragement, and you might need to reach out and grab them and pull them along. Hopefully you do that for each other because it's not just the pastor's job. If you love somebody, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to reach for them sometimes and give them hope and encourage them. But there are going to be times you're going to have to go, no, stop. I'm here to correct you. That's wrong. Don't do that. There's times you're going to have to say, get out. You're wrong. You are wrong. You're making the big mistake. It's a dirty job. Someone's got to do it. That's why we're here. Paul mentions the verse something else. He says, in season and out of season, which means whether you think the timing is right or not, it's our job to tell them. I can tell you one other thing that I've learned in ministry. The timing is never right. It's not. You're never going to find a perfect time when the planets align perfectly, the sun shining down, and, and this ah, moment where you're like supposed to go talk to somebody. The devil will make sure that you have a thousand reasons why you can't go that day. You'll probably break down if you're going to go talk to somebody. You're going to have to fight through. If it's something that's going to actually matter in their life and affect them, you're probably going to have a lot of fight on your hands to get it done. A lot of times, it's not as easy as you think it's going to be. It's our job, though, to to get in the trenches, to fight, to do that dirty job, to tell each other and hold on to each other. It's brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ that actually care enough for each other to, to do those hard things. Like I say, it's a pastor's job, but also it's each other's jobs. And sometimes you'll be the first to say, well, who are you to tell me? Um, Someone that cared about you and loved you. That's why I'm here to tell you. A lot of times people are afraid to lose friendships. Well, you're not a real good friend if you're not willing to actually save somebody from destruction. Why do you want them to fall down in a ditch? Help them up. So how do we guard ourselves from getting itchy ears? Obviously, I'm telling you about how to help somebody who has itchy ears and doesn't want to listen, but how do we guard ourselves? How do we protect ourselves from not wanting to become one of these people that just sit here and and hope for kind, flowing, loving words to just 
wash over us? And, and how do we want to listen to hard truth? Like I said, the one thing is we need to read the Bible for ourselves. It's super, super, super important. We try to tell you that almost every single week, that there's Bibles back there. They're free. Start reading somewhere. We don't care where. Just start reading. I mean, we have a great part in the New Testament to start reading. But read because it is like, I just read to you, it's manna from heaven. It's this bread that comes down, and we're supposed to take it in. We're supposed to eat it every day, and it gives us a perspective that we never would have. Reading God's word is like a mirror that we look into. When we look into it, it does something to us, like I said. It kind of cuts us in places where we need to be cut. Some parts you're like, I never would have been challenged on that, except for I read that. You'll, you'll be surprised, because sometimes you'll open the Bible and it'll be exactly what you needed to hear at that moment, because it's God speaking to us. Also, to not have itchy ears, we need to not write people off. Sometimes people have this idea thinking that you can't receive from somebody. Well, who are you? You don't know the Bible very much. You're not an expert. You're a woman. I can't hear from you. You're young. You can't tell me anything. I can tell you I learned more from my kids probably than anybody besides Jesus. (laughs) My kids have taught me much, much. You know, there's that old saying that says even a clock... A broken clock is right twice in a day. There's some people that God's going to send in your, your path that are going to be like, who are you to tell me? And I'm going to tell you, they're going to have truth on their lips that you need to listen to. Don't write people off. Listen. Just try to absorb what they have to say. Sometimes you're not going to like it. Maybe they're wrong. But at least give them, you know, the opportunity to speak in your life and, and think, is this right for me? Ask God after they, someone tells you something. Ask God, am I wrong? If I'm wrong, show me I'm wrong, God. And he'll start to reveal it to you. Don't think you're too wise to receive from somebody that's beneath you or younger than you or someone that you would never listen to. God could just use those people purposely just to confound the wise like he's done throughout the Bible over and over again. Also, we don't ever drop out thinking that we learned everything that we need to know. Because a lot of us really just haven't even gotten through the basics yet. You'll never arrive until you arrive in Jesus' feet. That's the only time you'll arrive. Also, like I said, we don't get easily offended. We don't just turn up our noses when someone says something to us. We think it through. If they offer us something that we think, okay, maybe I do need to accept this correction. Maybe, you know, this person that's talking to me really does have something good to say for me. Maybe I need to just be open to it. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Hopefully, you look at Cameron and I as your friends. Not just here to stroke your ego, not here to tell you how great you are, but also sometimes to point out some things that maybe aren't right. That's our job. That's what it's all about. Caring for a friend, sometimes very bad timing. It's right when you're going to bed when you don't want to have to deal with somebody and you want to just go to bed and think about your own thing or your great show's starting. I don't want to have to talk to somebody about what their life's falling apart. But maybe, just maybe, God had an opportunity for you to talk to them at that time. 
You know, like I said, you come to church and maybe you're going to think, well, I don't really need to be here. If someone starts speaking a message and all of a sudden you're like, well, that's not really for me. And God kind of taps you on the shoulder and says, uh, there's something in here for you. Maybe you should pay attention. It's just being open to what God has to say. Don't get prideful and puffed up thinking you know everything. And it's great if you know the Bible. It's great if you can, you know, quote the Bible. That's wonderful. But a lot of times there's people sitting in churches all over the place that quote the Bible. And you know what? They're still only this deep because it's words. And it hasn't changed who they are inside. And they've never really submitted to Christ. We're supposed to bow at Jesus' feet. He is God, not us. That's what it's about. So that's what Itchy Ears is all about. I know that might have been kind of weird, but it is really important for us to pay attention to what um, God has to say about that. We need to be open to correction. We need to be open for the fact that somebody might have something to say to us from time to time. It's not fun being corrected, but it's necessary because it helps us to grow up and be who God would want us to be. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray for each person that's here. Lord, I know that sometimes each one of us gets off the path. And Lord, we make bad decisions for ourselves because we desire what we desire and we don't necessarily always want what you would want. I pray that you'd help each person here, Lord, to know what is best from following you and, Lord, also for the people around them. I pray that you would help them. I'm thankful, Father, for everything you're going to do for these people, Lord. We love you and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.